I just love so much Emily's personality and excitement, uh, the things that are coming up, and uh, she's taking so much leadership uh, in those. You take out your postcard, uh, we have trunk or treat right there. And so when we get to that period of time, uh, we can use these again as an invite. And so I would encourage you to continue to invite people out uh, to our ministry. People need what you're experiencing. And this is our fall outreach, so just hand it to people, however you might go about it, but let them know. I also want to recognize uh, the fact that uh, Alberta Bentley uh, went to be with the Lord. And they had Bethley. I'm sorry. Alberta Bethley went. Uh, to be with the Lord. And they had the memorial service here. Pastor Rich led that. They've, again, left flowers here. Thank you so much. And we just want to know that our condolences are with you, Chris and your sister Rose and, and Lily. I'll be praying for you. Well, we were shocked again this week with another school shooting out in Roseburg, Oregon, Community College, Akmaha Community College. And it was during the day when they were in class, and Courtney Moore was in her writing 1115 class. And of course, Chris Harper was also in that class. But he showed up that day not to study, but to kill. As you've heard the story, uh, he walked into the classroom. He asked everybody to lie down on the floor. And then he had each of them stand up individually and tell them, tell him if he was a, they were a Christian or not. And uh, if they said they were a Christian, he shot him point blank in the head. And if they said no or didn't answer, he shot them in the leg. Nine Christian martyrs. Nine Christians who stood up for Jesus Christ and their relationship with him. When everything was on the line. We need to be praying uh, for the families and for the whole community. A terrible thing to have happen. In fact, when somebody identified themselves as being a Christian, he said, well, that's good because you're going to be seeing God in just about a second. Hmm. Reminds us of ISIS and what they've done in different areas of the world. People are dying for their faith. We're not playing around here, guys. People are dying. I thought, what if somebody came to my door or your door and said, are you a Christian and had a gun? Would you identify with Jesus Christ knowing that you would be dead? Well, 
Something to think about. There are so many fears in this world. We're continuing our series, Soul Detox. I hope you're enjoying it. There's a great book that you can read. Uh, a lot of small groups are going through this curriculum. Uh, we're teaching in our youth. And it's, it's wonderful when the whole church can, can kind of look at one context or one theme. How do we care for our souls? How do we keep our, our souls clean? Well, we're going to look at toxic fears. Here are four of the most common fears. First of all, we have the fear of loss. The fear of loss. I mean, these fears are always kind of in the back of our minds or sometimes the forefront of our minds. The fact that, oh, I might lose my husband or wife. I might use, lose my children or one of them could be terminally ill. Uh, oh, yeah, we, we've got lots of fears, fears of loss. And then you have fear of failure. We can all relate to that one, right? You know, you're in the workplace, you're seeking to do the best job you can, and the last thing you want to do is fail. Or you're a mom, and you're trying to raise these kids, and the last thing you want to do is fail. That's really common. And then fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Now, back in the day when I was inviting girls out, uh, we did it the man's way, face to face, or maybe a phone call. <laughs> oh, man, I can remember so many times <laughs> making that ask. That Gloria I asked face to face, and uh, it's just, oh, you're so nervous, and you're afraid of hearing, no, are you a fool, or something like that, because <laughs> you're putting everything on the line there, all right? And uh, now today you have texting, which is safer. You don't have to face the person. You don't have to talk to the person. You can just ask the question, and... They have more time to think about it, and they can text you back. But guys, if you want to be a real man, you invite a girl out face to face, and she'll respect you for it. Well, fear of rejection, certainly, that's common in all different areas. And fear of the unknown, I mean, that includes everything else that could happen. What's going to happen today? What's going to happen tomorrow? We know that the pattern in our life is that problems keep coming, and that's not going to stop. So we say, well, what's the new problem that's coming? How hard is it going to be? Friends, we can be consumed by fear. We can be paralyzed by fear. That's why it's so important we talk about this. How do you deal with the fears in your life? Like there is a... A mom was putting her little boy to bed. <laughs> uh, There's a thunderstorm coming. It was a, thun a summer night. And, and, and he said to her, Mommy, can you sleep with me tonight? And uh, she said, Well, I have to sleep with Daddy. She turned off the light. Long silence. Then you heard the kid's voice, Big sissy. 
<laughs> but fear starts out young, right? How many checked under their bed or checked in the closet at some point in your life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was always looking in the closet, just going to make sure, you know, the boogeyman or some evil creature wouldn't be coming after me. But again, those, mature, those fears have just matured over time. Now, that's not what God wants in our lives. Second Timothy 1, 7 for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So we no longer have to be fearful. Now, why is that? It's because our dad is God. He is the one who controls everything. Nothing happens without him Knowing about it, he is the one who reigns supreme and he has told us that he has goodness for us and a plan for our lives. And if we really experientially believe that, we're not going to have the fear. But we're going to have a power of love and self-control. That's what our desire is. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to look at uh, one of those meaningful psalms to people uh, in the Psalter. How many uh, have uh, studied Psalm 91? Psalm 91. Okay, well, good. This will be a great introduction uh, for some of you because this is a psalm you want to mark in your Bible. You put a bookmark in it because whenever... <laughs> A storm is coming, and it's painful. You want to turn to this psalm because it so beautifully speaks of how God wants to protect you. The first thing is, let him, God, be your shelter. Psalm 91, 1 through 4. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So he who dwells, again, lives in the shelter. That means God's shelter, part of his family, of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Think about the wings of God. And you are in his shadow of those wings. I will say to the Lord, my refuge. Now, what's a refuge? That's where you run when you're in trouble, right? He's there for you. And my fortress. Now, just imagine in your mind a fortress. Whatever comes to your mind when you think of a fortress. Now, do you feel safe in that fortress? Well, yeah. That's what fortresses are all about, about protecting the people. My God in whom I trust. Now, that's very important there to note. In whom I trust. If you really want to deal with fears in your lives, if you really want to be freed up, you've got to trust in God. You've got to continue to trust in God. 
is each challenges, each challenge comes along the way. It's got to be your choice because if you do not trust in God, you will not experience this. God's offering it, but if you're saying, yeah, I'm doing this on my own, he'll let you do it on his own. And again, you'll be consumed with fear. That's why I talked about last week, the idea of being still before God. October challenge is five minutes a day, just stopping and go to God. Maybe meditate on this verse or uh, a song that you enjoy that is a praise to God. But just be still before Him. I've been doing that this week, and uh, there's just something so special to that. There's an intimacy. It's not like, God, I need this, God, I need... No. God, I'm here. Teach me about who you are. I want to feel your love and your presence. So I continue to encourage you in doing that, you know, every day or four out of seven or whatever. But just be consistent because it's a great way to draw close to God. How many are uh, familiar with the movie The March of the Penguins? Oh, my. You guys got a great movie you got to see. The March of the Penguins. It came out in 2005 or something. But it's kind of like a documentary of these emperor penguins who at the end of the summer in Antarctica, in Antarctica, it's like an oxymoron. <laughs> when the summer ends, they go off on their trek, a very long distance to get to their place where they mate that season of the year. And it's very interesting because what will happen is, is that the female will lay the egg. And then, as you see in this picture, uh, they'll do kind of an intricate dance where the egg moves from the female to the male. And what the male does with his claws is he picks up the egg and he holds it close to his body to warm it. And what she does is she goes back to get food for the baby penguin that's going to be hatched. And the amazing thing is that father sits on that egg for two months. Two months in the harshest winter in the world. Drop him to 80 degrees below zero. It's the worst winter you could ever experience. But he stands steady against the winds and and the storms protecting that egg. And then, what do you get? (laughs) A baby penguin and now mom's back uh, to feed that baby. Now, I want you to imagine yourself as that baby penguin in the egg. Um, life is really challenging for you right now. It's just overwhelming, really. 
And I'd encourage you to see the movie because it's just so beautiful in the way that it it shows us how God you know, takes us close to Himself when we're in the most pain in our lives. And He protects us. And He gives us strength. And He gives us grace. And He keeps us sane. That's our God. That's our God. The next area we want to look at is let Him be your shelter and then let Him be your strength. Psalm 91, 5 through 8. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. He says, I'm going to protect you from all the terrors in the night. And I'm going to protect you all day as arrows might fly against you. Protect you from sickness and just ultimate destruction. Now, is this saying that we're not going to have any challenges? No. No, he was speaking to the Israelites here, and uh, they certainly had a lot of challenges and experienced life. And yeah, life is life. Accidents are going to happen. Loved ones are going to die. Spouses will get sick. I mean, all that stuff still happens. But the point is, is that if you're enveloped in God, you are going to be able to walk through that process with so much more peace, so much more hope, so much more encouragement, so much more strength, because you know that your God is holding on to you tightly. Then we go on to verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right side, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. That is, <laughs> everything is going down around you. Other people are being impacted, but you're different because you're a child of God. You think of the Red Sea, right? When the Israelites left Egypt, and God parted the Red Sea, and they went across. And as soon as the last one got out of that basin, as the Egyptians were pursuing them, the water came down. That's the kind of idea, right? The Egyptians were the wicked, and they were destroyed, but you were saved. It also speaks of the final judgment the sense that we are going to be saved from God's wrath because of our faith and what Jesus Christ has done for us. We'll see the world destroyed. We'll see many, many people who did not respond to Christ. But because we made that decision, we accepted His forgiveness, everything has changed. Psalm 27.1 the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be 
afraid. Now, I want you to look at that verse and read it to yourself and say, okay, how true is that in my life? Is is the Lord really the light of my salvation? Light and my salvation? Who who do I have to fear? (laughs) If God is watching over me. The Lord is a stronghold, a refuge, a fortress, the stronghold of my life. I've, I've built my life on him and I continue to do that. Of whom shall I be afraid? It's a very important verse because some of you look at it and you say, yeah, I understand it. But you have not yet experienced it. I mean, there's a lot of people that go to church for a long time and they know all things about the Bible, but it doesn't translate into their everyday life. They don't apply it. Here's a question. How big is your God? How big is your God? That's a great question. J.I. Packer said, your knowledge of God determines the path of your Christian life. Because if you have a little God, and you know a lot about Him, but you really haven't trusted Him, you really haven't you know, let the Holy Spirit work through difficult situations, you haven't experienced Him, so He just stays this small. Now, if your God is this small, and your problems, what do they look like? They look like giants that are going to destroy you. Because i got this God in my pocket, and I see the giants. <laughs> and that's all I focus on, is the giants. What we need to continually do is understand experientially God more and more and more. And the only way to do that is trust Him when things are going haywire. Say, God, I don't know what you're doing. Can't figure this one out. Give it to you. And when he comes through, then your God gets a little bigger, right? And as you reflect on passages about who God is and hear testimonies about how God is working in other people's lives, that also helps your God grow. So maybe when you're... A new Christ follower, your God is this big, but hopefully over the years, your God becomes a giant because that's reality. But again, we all don't view God in the same way or no, nor do we experientially involve him in our lives because we have to trust. That's the one thing that God wants from us. Well, you got a big God. How big do the problems look? Like that, right? And that's why you just have to give yourself over to Him. That's why you need to invest and in be in here. Thank you for being here. And the other ministers we have that disciple you and, and time alone with God. And, and again, learning all that. And then when you come to a problem in your day, just give it to God. That's hard. Say, God, I'm going to trust in you because I want to grow in my 
experiential understanding of who you are. Very important. The next thing is let him be your security. Psalm 91.9 Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place. The Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near you. So that's just a reiteration of what he said before. Then we go to Psalm 91.9 or 11 that is. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Uh, there are different thoughts on this, whether we have a personal angel. I, I don't necessarily think so, but the angels are there to help us out. <laughs> on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Who quoted that verse? Anybody? Satan did, yeah. In the wilderness. And he was trying to tempt Jesus Christ to sin. And so he brought him up on the Temple Mount, which was very high. And he said, why don't you just jump off? Because you know that the angels will catch you and take care of you. But, of course, Jesus did not. Because that would be a misuse of his power. Out of pride and trying to show Satan something. But, of course... He didn't. You will tread on the lion and the adder and the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Ah. <laughs> Again, just using the imagery of who you are in God and your experiential understanding in God. Way, way back. <laughs> oh, my. This is in the uh, late 90s after we got started. Uh, we're part of Converge Worldwide, which is an association of churches and missionaries around the world. Now, they can tell us what to do. We've joined them voluntarily, and we can pull out, but they're a great group to be a part of. They funded the beginning of this church. And then Converge in America is a district uh, that we are a part of. That's like Illinois, Indiana, Missouri. So... This guy comes to my newcomer gathering, and, you know, I talk about the fact there were Baptist church, Baptist general conference, and he said, you guys handle snakes? <laughs> you know what? That guy is still here. And this Wednesday, he's starting his 20th snake handling class. Just kidding. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's all kinds of Baptists, so that's one of the reasons we kind of removed it from our branding name because, oh, mercy, there's all kinds of stereotypes out there. But the point is, is that we are secure in God. In Philippians 1.21, Paul writes, remember how he was struggling about whether he should stay uh, with the people or would he rather go to heaven? Because he had been to heaven before. <laughs> That's probably the most painful thing, living on earth after you've seen it. He said, for me to live is Christ. Christ living through me. 
Christ empowering me. I want to stay here to help you guys grow in your faith. And to die is gain. He's saying, listen, it'd be a lot better off if I, if I died as I'd be with my Savior. And this particular verse is many times used to prove that when you die, you'll be with Christ. There's no purgatory. There's no nothing. Immediately for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. And those nine students this past week, when he fired that gun, the next thing they saw was Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 38 and 39 speaks of the breadth of God's love. For I am sure that neither death nor life, that pretty much covers everything, nor angels, nor rulers, probably talking about demons, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's another verse you want to take home with you. You want to memorize that one. Because that really tells you how big, <laughs> infinite God's love is for you. And no matter what you're going through, you know He has a perfect love. The next thing is, uh, let Him be your salvation. Let Him be your salvation. I'd like Dita Brock to come out at this time. And we were at a prayer team meeting together this past week. And I just remembered her story, and I asked her if she would share today about what she's been through and how her God has become so big. Thanks, dear. Good morning, everyone. Um, as I sat backstage listening to Dan's story, it just amazed me how um, I had prayed to God to really help me come up with the right words for this testimony, and it just amazes me how great our God is because it really, my testimony coincides with what Dan said, and I had no idea what he was preaching about today. So as Dan said, earlier this week he asked if I would share my story about how I've been burdened by challenges of life, persevered through them, as well as saw many answers to my prayers. As a child, I never knew my biological father because he and my mother divorced when I was only a few months old. I was raised by my grandparents until the age of five. And when my brother remarried for the third time, I then went to live with her and her new husband. It was through this marriage I was adopted for the second time. The first time was by her second husband. When my mother remarried, my grandparents moved to California because they thought it would help my mother and I bond together. Unfortunately, this was not the case, and these events caused my fear of being abandoned because the two people who loved me unconditionally were now so far away. Ten years ago, my fear of abandonment came to surface once again when my ex-husband left me and our two sons because he was having an affair. Eight years ago, my 20-year marriage ended, and I found myself on my own raising two sons while dealing with the emotional pain of divorce, bankruptcy, 
and most of all, feeling like a failure. During the course of the past eight years, I've had to face nearly being homeless twice, feeling powerless to help my oldest son when he walked away from God because of the trials we were constantly facing. I was in the middle of a spiritual warfare, and I questioned God, why would you let these things keep happening in our lives? In addition to the emotional pain I was feeling, I was being held captive by my fears. I was constantly being worrying about how was I going to pay the bills each month, about losing my job, worried about where we would live, but most of all I worried what this was doing to my two sons. What most people in my life did not know was that every night at 3 o'clock in the morning I would be awoken with an anxiety attack and the voices in my head would keep me awake for hours. Satan was wearing me down from lack of sleep and stealing my joy. While there have been many challenges in my life, there have been many blessings answered through the power of prayer. God has taken my fear of abandonment, and he taught me he will never leave me nor forsake me. When Satan has tried to close the doors on my completing my degree, God has been faithful and opened them every time, and he has provided for us abundantly and beyond anything I could ever dream or imagine. He does not waste anything in our lives, including our suffering. He uses this time as a refining process to remove the impurities of our lives. God has taken me from survival to revival. And this has only been accomplished because I learned to surrender my life to him as well as tithes. Each morning I spend a half an hour in devotional with my Savior. Through my devotional time and the message that God speaks through Dan's teaching, God has taught me that he is faithful and trustworthy in all my situations because he is sovereign. The strength he gives me enables me to keep on enduring the unendurable. Every day brings something new, but God has given me confidence to face each day with joy, faith, and trust in him. Trials will continue to come, and when they do, I only need to remember my, for my, remind myself of Psalm 28:7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. 2 Corinthians 4:17 can also remind us of all that be a reminder to all of us. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. Thank you for letting me share my story with you. And whatever trials you might be experiencing right now, know that God is there even on those days when you cannot feel him near you. For those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed, and the Lord listened and saved me from all my troubles. Psalm 34, 5, 6. Oh, my D. That's such a powerful story of God working. You notice the corollary between problems and how you view God. You know, she went through all these struggles. And she's got a big God, right, Dee? Amen. You've got Amen. a big God. Hey, i got some verses for you that are meant just for you. 
this is God talking. Because she holds fast to me in love, I will deliver her. I will protect her because she knows my name. When she calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with her in trouble. I will rescue her and honor her. With long life, I will satisfy her and show him, or her that is, my salvation. That's true, he says. That can be true of all of us as we just continue to step out and trust. Let's pray together. Dear Father, you have us as trophies of your grace. And sometimes we don't know why things are going the way they are. And we don't even realize that you're showing your grace to other people. And as Dee shared her testimony, I know so many hearts were moved. Say, wow, if she can go through all that and still... such a strong relationship with God. Maybe our problems seemed a little smaller in our minds today as we listen to Dee. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that disciples people. And one of the most important things is to help them to experientially understand how good God is. In Christ's name. Amen.